Good morning, everybody. The old clock on the wall says it's 11, so let's kick it in gear and get going here. Uh, good morning. It's good to see everyone. Uh, I'll make a few announcements here, but uh, on the back table at, to the right as you're leaving, I've got some prayer request cards if you if you want to jot down any prayer requests you might have. And if you want to remain anonymous, that's fine, but uh, we'll gather those, just fill them out and leave them there on the table. Uh, I also have some welcome cards. This is for any visitors that might be with us. Uh, we're not wanting to get in your business. We just want to know a little more about you. If you will, write your name and phone number and a uh, little information about you. We are glad to have you if you're visiting with us. Um, some more announcements. Oh, there was a suggestion made to, for us to have a suggestion box. And unfortunately, we don't have one, so I can't put that suggestion in the box. <laughs> But I'll, I'll try to make us one, and, and they're going to be little bitty pieces of paper. So, uh, but hopefully by next week, I'll have us a suggestion box. And, uh, of course, services are 11. Uh, we have prayer meeting on Wednesdays starting at 3.30. If you can attend, that would be awesome. Uh, the... Uh, Celeste may have something to add here, but the Bible study for women is on Wednesdays. The Bible study starts this Wednesday, 30th, 10.30. Um, there's a bunch of ladies that pay. They have their books. Those who still haven't paid, you know who you are. You can just bring the money on Wednesday. That's fine. I've got your books for you, and we are not going to read anything for this Wednesday. We're just going to discuss how we're going to do it, talk a little bit. Um, so don't stress too much, but after that, you're going to get homework. So see you there. Thank you, Celeste. Uh, let's see. The Nobi mission is, is on Friday evenings. It's 6, 630. Uh, and you can talk to Celeste for more information. Uh, pray for our missionaries, the Montenegros. Uh, we have the Teen Challenge, this little box back here, if you have any donations uh, for the Teen Challenge. Uh, Toby, you want to add anything about that? It's, it's no, the Puerto Rico's one is still going. Yep. Uh, we, we, if, yeah. In case you don't know, the ones that were getting this stuff, they all escaped. We don't know where they are, but uh, <laughs> uh, pray for one another. Uh, uh, I was talking to Frank earlier and Austin is doing much better and they, they think he's, they're going to be coming back to Panama pretty soon so that's amazing uh, any, any, other, any other comments or from anybody Okay, we'll move on uh, there was a three year old that asked his mom how long he was going to have to wait until he could stop listening to her yeah, I've been there. I, uh, it's been a while since I've had young kids. But anyway, she told him you were going to have to listen to her for the rest of his life. Well, he looked at her dead in his eyes and he said, I'll listen to you for the rest of my life or the rest of your life. Toddlers are cold-blooded. Anyways, John, John has asked me to read our scripture for today. And uh, it's, 
taken from James uh, chapter 1, 17 through 27, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it'll be popped up on the screen here as he starts the sermon. But starting with verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I've marked that verse for myself. I have to watch that. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. Be the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And finally, verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and open the service. Lord in heaven, thank you so much. We know you are our sovereign God and in control of everything and that we uh, have so much faith and we appreciate it. Thank you for the countless blessings you continue to pour on us. Thank you for this congregation and this church. Thank you for our pastor and his family. Uh, thank you so much for answered prayer. Thank you so much. Austin has gotten much better and uh, we ask uh, you be with us today. We welcome the Holy Spirit to be with us. Open our minds and our hearts to what uh, John has for us today in this service and be with him and anoint him and uh, give us what you want us to take. Uh, in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. How are you this morning? Did somebody say wonderful or beautiful? Good. That's lively, huh? Hey? Okay. Cool. So a suggestion box, eh? I'm, so, I'm, I'm nervous. Well, I thank you very much for the worship team and thank you for our brother. I've asked him to read the word because at least I know we will get through the passage. Maybe that was one of the suggestions. Please finish the passage. <laughs> Don't take off and leave us behind. Thanks for your patience anyway. We sang a line in a verse, the light of the world lay slain by the darkness. 
How good is that theology? Think about it. While he was lying in the grave, he sustained the universe by the word of his power. That's the truth. Because he was God and very God. At the same time, man and very man. So when he was lying in the grave, he was God. There's a, there's a theory, there's a theology doing the rounds in the church today that calls it the canotic view. Because the Bible says at one stage he has emptied himself, taking up the form of man. And when you don't know Greek, as most of us don't, we think empty means he has taken what is in his Godhead, poured it out on the ground, and then became man. That is not the theology of incarnation. He was fully God and took upon himself the full humanity and he emptied himself into the vessel of humanhood. That's what it really means. And willingly laying aside the glorious adoration that he has received in heaven of all the angelic choirs and the universe and the pulsating stars and the, everything else in this universe that is praising him. Because if he emptied himself of his Godhead into humanity, he could not have been the Savior that he was. So, Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. And he said that as the man, the God-man I like to call him, the God-man said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. It was not slain by darkness. I lay it down. And I will take it up. Because this command I have received from my Father. It's important today that you must know that because we will all be deceived. As James will call us here again, don't be deceived. Because there are teachers that say we are all gods. Because all Jesus needed was the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do all the miracles. Yet, if you look at the scripture, he did it as God. Because when at Cana he displayed his glory to the disciples, how did he display his glory? Through the miracle. And they put their trust in him. He, he received worship while he was on earth. No angel did. No only human will accept worship because they will be struck down by the living God. Look what happened to Herod. When the people say, oh, the voice of a God, not of a man. When he took the glory, he died. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, look at all the works my hands have done. And God humiliated him eating grass like an animal for seven years. I hope you still remember what is our memory verse. And I've got a memory verse for you. <laughs> Psalm 119 verse 9. If you don't know it already. How shall a young man keep his way pure? But to guard it by the word of God. Right? That's on top of the memory verse. We are busy with chapter 1. And chapter 1 if we go, can we, have the, can we drop down to verse 27? We're going to work backwards. Uh, James is going to tell us what, is, what does pure religion look like. 
What does it look like to be pure and undefiled before God the Father? And we're dealing with trials. We're dealing with hardship. We're dealing with perplexities of life. So the three things in the, in the first half of the chapter, as I said last time, what he wanted us to know are three things. Can you remember? The plans and the purposes of God are? Are they sometimes good? They are always good. When you're knocked down by life, maybe because of some things you have done, or some things that were done to you, these are the three things. That will keep you on the straight and the narrow. His plans. What about his being? God is? Sometimes. Always. God is unmixed. He cannot be good and bad. He cannot be good and mean. He cannot lie. He cannot change. The big word for that is, is immutable. And the third thing is, what do we stand on when life is, and the storms come? The Word. Is the Word true for someone? Only the promises of God are only for the good people, right? For those who never sin, for those who never make mistakes, right? No. The Word of God is always true. Those three things will keep our heads out of the mud when life, I didn't say if, I say when. Why? Why? When? Because this is the way God does things. He wants us to persevere. He wants us to endure. Because through that, through endurance, as I said to you last time, if you think of the life of God within you, like a pregnancy, and a mother thinks of a pregnancy, and she is guarding that pregnancy by what she goes, what she eats, and what she doesn't eat, and where she goes, and what exercises she does or doesn't do, she is watching over that pregnancy because she wants to see it what? When it's mature. When it's coming out of the womb, number one. But God is the same. God is a Father. He has spoken us, His life into you by the Holy Spirit. He has quickened your heart to hear His voice, to accept He Himself in you. And He wants that image of Christ to come to full maturity. And He will do what it takes to make you mature. And if you, do, if you are here in life and you expect just goodness and grace because that is what health, wealth and prosperity say, it is a damned theology. It's empty. Your best life now. Who would think of that? When the whole eternity is waiting and God is waiting for His mature children to have intimacy with Him and to rule and, and to reign with Him. What better to do? So before you and I can have mature religion or, or pure or undefiled religion, we have to get our pregnancy right. That umbilical cord, we have to watch over this. That's what Jesus said. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Why, what temptation? To go by what I see. To run after what I hear. To do what I feel like. Or what everybody else likes. A pregnant lady does not do what her friends do that are not pregnant. She watches herself. She takes care. So, let's go to the text. Of his own will, 
he brought us forth. It's important that you tell yourself, God so loved me that he died for me, that he wrote my book, my name in the Lamb's book of life before I was born, before the foundation of the world. He did not wait for you to hit the dusty trial, uh, the trail and come to the front and write on a piece of paper, I give my heart to the Lord. That is not when he chose you. And can you imagine the great privilege you and I have to call ourselves the children of God, for that is what we are. How great a love the Lord has lavished on us that we should be called His children. Do we squander that privilege? Do we think of it as every day? I would, I would ask you to repent. I would ask you to pray every day and say, Lord, show me again and again through your word what a great love you have for, have for me. A wretch like me. Why would God walk on the beaches of the world and just pick up this little uh, sea star that was washed out on the beach? Why would he just stop with me? Because I'm special? You know the answer. No, because of his grace and his mercy. Because he is special. He is special. By his own word. Let me read to you Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. He has done this according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace. Who gets the glory for your salvation? You, because you made the decision? No, God does. Because of His purpose and will for your life, and because of His glorious grace. And He brought us forth. The old, the old, uh, the King James will say, He has begotten us. I, I couldn't wrap my head around what means begotten. If you, if you read of the generations, this guy begat that guy. So God has just called us forth. God has brought us forth. If you think of the resurrection, Paul uses the same word that God has brought Jesus from the grave. He has begotten His, his first begotten Son. Now we know what means His own will, and He brought us forth. And then He talks about the word of truth. Oh, I love the word. Because if you think of the word of truth, then you think of what John says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with him, with God, and with uh, um, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So you think of the word of God, and you think of Jesus. But then, then you go to um, Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And you think, why are you going back to creation? We are in the New Testament. Right? Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, 3, has shone in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 
So when you think of creation, it's all material. And as I said to you before, when you think of how God, God has a way of doing things. He, his spirit was hovering over that which had no order. And he said, let there be light. And there was light and God said it was good. Look at your and my hearts and lives. Void. Sinners. Wretches. And it's the spirit of God is, is brooding over us. And he said, let light shine in your hearts. And he gave us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That's what we call regeneration. It happens in a split second. That's what Jesus said. You cannot be born again unless you're born by water and the Spirit. Water also meaning a sign of the Spirit. Being washed by the Spirit. But being made new by the Spirit. So that is what he means by the word of truth. And then, we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let me go slide. Leviticus 33. When you hear first fruits, what do you guys think of? Think of the Old Testament, the festivals. The first festival, the Jewish festival, is not the festival of the Jews, it's the festival of the Lord. First one was the Sabbath. The second one was the festival or the feast of unleavened bread. Sorry, I skipped one. Pa Sabbath, Passover. Unleavened bread. Feast of first fruits. This happened in March, April in Israel. That's the time when the first harvest of the season is ripening. And that would be the barley harvest. Now, I'm talking about the first feast of first fruits. So, God has said, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land and I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. On the day after the Sabbath. So, they were not allowed to eat of the first fruits. Because if you know soil, some of, the, some of the soil will be different than others, maybe retain more water, so some of the seeds will sprout before the others. That's why there's an early harvest, a middle harvest, and a late harvest. But the first harvest, they had to gather, because that peace was holy unto the Lord. Remember that. Holy unto the Lord. What is another word for holy? Yeah? Also, consecrated. So if you remember, don't go a blank when you hear holy and say, no, he's talking about just the pastors or just the Pope. Probably the worst, sorry, don't say. <laughs> worst example. No. No. When, when we think holy, we have to think us. We have been made holy because we are in Christ. So, when we are holy unto the Lord, that, that, that um, sheaf was only for the Lord's purposes. And I can imagine if you're a farmer, you can't wait for the harvest to come. You just want to taste that first bread that you bake from that. I'm not sure what you do with barley, but maybe bread. And you, you think, oh, I would love that. But no, it's going to the Lord out of gratitude. Now think with me. Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover. He was put into the grave. The very next day is the first day of unleavened bread. 
unleavened bread. What are the symbols of sin in the Bible? Leaven. And? Honey. Why? It causes fermentation. It changes nature. Right? So, when Jesus went into the grave, He was sinless. He was unleavened bread. And for that full week, they had to have no leaven. Not even in the house. Because unleavened bread is a symbol of a sinless life. But Jesus was raised on the very next day, and that is the Feast of First Fruits. He was the firstborn from the grave. Can you see God's plan? Can you see how He starts with a feast in the Old Testament, and you think, why should I know about that? Because we are the first fruits. Here it says in our text, it says we are the first fruits of His creatures. That doesn't mean we have prominence or eminence. But we are the first of the harvest that is going to come in now. When he wrote that letter, it was 2,000 years ago, and the, the church was just starting to blossom. They were probably a few thousand strong. They were the first fruits. We are already at, almost at the end of the harvest, and when the full harvest comes in, the full harvest will be the Gentiles and the Jews together. Praising God, because we've read in Ephesians that Jesus has come to make the two peoples one. By removing the, the, the partition, the, the animosity between the two groups, by dying for us. Know this, my beloved brothers, we go to verse 19, if we can go back to the scriptures. What is characteristic about uh, the way James writes, you, you're still thinking about what is, he hit you in the teeth on your stomach when you're thinking of the first verse, and then this, when you come again, he's already in the next topic. So, after we've considered what the first fruits are, here we are. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. One of the best advices you can, this is another good verse to know. Because for all of us, if I have learned that when I was his age, maybe, I, not maybe, I would have avoided many things. Because the Bible says, uh, what does it say about a perfect man? We would be perfect without what? Yeah. If I've listened to my wife many years ago, I would have been smarter now. Because we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness. The put away means taking off, taking off. It's like if you come into the house and you can't come in with your soiled clothing, you have to take it off. Get rid of the, the filthiness. Now, the filthiness, if you're, maybe your eyes can't go to the text. You have to have the text open. Go to verse 2 2. It says here, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. Shabby. That is the adject, uh, adjective. This one is the noun, the filthiness. That actually means shabbiness, moral shabbiness. He says, Get rid of it. And you will see what is... I've spoken about sanctification last time. I said to you, the Bible says, God says, be perfect for I am perfect. And then many of us feel, oh, I will just leave it. I could never be perfect. No, what he means is take off the filthy clothes. Take off the bad habits. Lay it aside. And then he says, um, then he says, uh, rampant Wickedness, rampant. The Greek is, I'm sorry for that, but it means like they use it for excess 
earwax. <laughs> Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And that wickedness, wickedness just means whatever is wrong. I think I've got a translation there for... Uh, let me just see if I find the... No, I didn't put it in. Now, and receive with meekness the implanted word. What means meekness? What is meek? Is meek weak? Yeah, that's good. That's good. How about, how about humility? How about lowliness? Lo, not lonely, lowliness. Yeah? And I just, I've got one word there. I keep forgetting it. And that is lovely. It says self-subduing gentleness. They say the Lord was meek. Self-subduing gentleness. That is part of how we mature. By taking off the shabby clothing and putting on self-subduing gentleness. So the next time somebody drives in front of you and slam on the brakes. <laughs> self-subduing gentleness. Nice to preach to others. <laughs> There's also a spirit which says a simple yes to what the word teaches and commands. You know what the world says, what is freedom? Freedom is, I can do whatever I want. What are they bound by? They are shackled by their own lust. What is God's f definition of freedom? Obedience of rules, young man. Obedience of rules. Because if you obey, you're completely free. Because you have, you have by God's grace, subdued the, the, the desires of the flesh. You watch and pray that you not be tempted. And God says, within this parameter, you will be blessed. And within that parameter, you're absolutely free. The Bible talks about the obedience of faith. If you love me, you will obey me. And Jesus says, I will I, um, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? The truth are God's rules, God's law. I use the word, God's law. Because we will see what, later on what James talks about the law. What is the law? The perfect law. Because it sets free for people who have self, what's that word? Subduing gentleness. John Calvin says it's a mind disposed to learn. God says it and I do it. So he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's a very common deception. And I can, I'm a prime example of that. I read something, I understand it, and I think I know it. Yes, but I haven't done it. And then every time the preacher says about these things, I say, oh, I know it. And I don't, feel, I don't feel condemned. I don't feel grieved. Because I know it. And God says, all I wait is for that knowledge to drop down to your action. 
So we have to ask the Lord, Lord, give us that self-consciousness about what the Word says. Because God equates your and my love with our obedience. And if you think hard about it, it is the only way that love can show. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. I wonder why he picked a man. I think, I think he meant humanity. <laughs> so he looks intently. You know that intently. Can you remember the, the time when John and Peter was running to the graves? Because they heard the woman told them, Jesus was risen. So John ran ahead and he stood at the door. And the same word, he looked intently into the grave. So this man is looking intently into the mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away at once, forgets what he come on, what it w w was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in whatever he's doing. So think of two people. This man here is looking into the murder intently. And what is he doing? He's trimming his mustache. Or he's, nowadays they pluck their eyebrows and, and, and they comb their hair and they use mascara, whatever they do. He's looking intently and he's, adjusted, he's adjusting his image in the mirror. But he's only doing it to what? A natural man. Now look, look at this guy. Here we are. We are looking intently into the Word of God. And we are taking off our shabby clothing because the Word shows us. The Word reads us as we read the Word. What about that attitude you have? What about your criticism? What about your sharp tongue? What about your, your sense of humor or your lack of thereof? How you cut down. Things like that. I don't want to call sin. You know in your heart what the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about for a long time. And He says to you, it's time when you look intently into the Word that you take off the shabby clothing. Why? There's a coronation waiting. This pregnancy has to come to full maturity. And to, like I said last time, Paul says, I mean, the pains of childbirth until the image of Christ is formed in you. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is brooding over this life that He has spoken of and He created of because His whole, his whole ministry is about the glory of Jesus. Amen. It's not about signs and wonders and miracles. It is about the glory of the Son of God in your life, in my life. And He uses this mirror of the Word in which you and I have to stare intently day after day to take off the shabby clothing. Because we are going to a royal wedding and it's only for people who have robes that is washed in the blood of the Lamb that's pure and white. Yes, you can be holy. We are holy. We are set apart. It's not something you want to achieve. We have to work to what we already are. Do you understand that? Let me go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul has just finished the argument about the law, the Moses, when he met God on the mountain. At Sinai, his face was shining with glory. But he had to put on a veil 
so that he could speak to the people. But when Paul uses this, that example, he's turning it around. He said Moses was covering his face so that the people could not see the waning glory. Interesting. Why? He wanted to say this. And we all, those of us who are bought, blood-bought, who have this, the testimony of the Spirit that I am a son and a daughter of the living God, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. It is the full essence of who God is. Think of Queen Elizabeth when she was still cooking in a full outfit and all the people around her. I've never seen her in a full glory. With all the crowns and the scepters and the, and the dress that goes for miles behind and the, and the people and the horses and the carriages. That is the glory of Queen Elizabeth. But we are beholding the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed. What happens when I look intently into this mirror of God's word? And I take off my shabby clothing. What happens to me? I am being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Because I'm free to obey His rule and His reign. I don't find it oppressive. I don't find it restrictive. I'm not crying out for reprieve of God's law and rule because I don't use the law of God to be saved because I am saved. But I use the law of God to keep me. How do I please God? I just want to go to 2 Corinthians 4.16. The natural guy. When I look into the mirror, I see decay. The natural man is decaying. I don't hear amens. Just look at your passport photo of five years ago. Come on. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, what is that? That's life. What? Paul, he calls his life He's three shipwrecks. He's five times beaten with rods. He's stoning to death, near death. He calls that light and momentary afflictions is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are what? Transient, temporal. But the things that are unseen are what? Would it be wise to stare into the mirror? And fix all your time and your attention and your money and your resources on this world. Or would it be wise to make this staring into the word day by day a priority? There is a war designed against you personally to keep you away from this. When God says, be perfect as I am perfect, you know that God does not have a growing, a learning curve. He's not getting more holy with time. He's not getting more wise with time. But we are. And the same way, is if you and I put your toddler, or your grandchildren's toddlers, on the, on the floor and, and, and encourage them to walk, are you going to be absolutely astounded or set back when they fall. No, because that's what toddlers do. That's how they learn to walk. And the same way, you and I have in our life of maturity, God has a patient father helping you up. 
Because the way we take off shabby clothing is we keep on taking off. We keep on taking off. And that's the way to maturity. And in our humanity, we'll be every time, and the Lord shows us something, we will be keeping, um, taking off our shabby clothing. And that process is called sanctification so that we eventually will become what we already are. Because God has set us apart, as we read in Ephesians, to be holy and blameless. And in Christ we are holy and blameless. James says that the law of God, that the perfect law of liberty, that is what he calls the word. The perfect law of liberty. Look what God says about his word. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. For you shall therefore keep my statutes, my rules. In a, if a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So you have to understand how the word law is used in the New Testament. Otherwise it's confusing. At one moment Paul says that, that we are not under the law. We are under grace. But when Paul talks about salvation, how we come to the Lord, he wants us to know it's not by works. So here God says, when he says, I am the Lord your God, he says to you actually, I am the Lord. That is who I am and that is what I want you to do. When, when we read the Decalogue, Decalogue, we see the nature of God, the character of God. And he says, if we, if we do them, we shall live by them. Not shall be saved by them because we are already saved by the Passover lamb as the Israelites were. But now we, we live by the word. Within the rules of the word we live the life that is perfect and that is mature and is complete, not lacking anything. Amen. The purpose of God's word is not to condemn us because the word clearly says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As I quoted before the Lord said in you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And he's talking about the commandments he left to his disciples. So this word is encouraging us to run the race with diligence set before us, laying all hinderness or all sin aside. So I want to pray for you. If there's anyone that would like to talk to us about your salvation, and if you're not sure or things that bother you, this is our work as the shepherds in this congregation. Do you know what I read the other day? Is what Paul said to the elders of Ephesians, and it struck my heart. He said to them, Watch over yourself and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you an overseer. That's, that's solemn. So that's our heart in this place, is that we will watch over you. And we don't, I don't know if you're struggling. I'm not here to keep score. I'm here. Remember, a shepherd is looking over his flock, and, the, and, and as the Lord Jesus is looking over his flock, he will pick those who struggle. And you have to take the courage, and you have to take the, the responsibility just to come and to talk to us. And he says, be shepherds of the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. And it brings me back to the canonic view of, the scripture, of Christ. 
Do you see how Paul is using the word here? God who purchased the church with his own blood. So that is the responsibility of us as an eldership, and we take it seriously. And I want to encourage you to, to mention so that we can carry your burdens. That is what love does. And that's what we want to do for you. And I hope that I know that you're praying for me and for us and for, for the eldership of this church, that we will be shepherds, that will keep watch over ourselves. Because we have a, we have a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our brother James. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 1.12 says, you are watching over your word to perform it. It says in a different place that your word is like fire that breaks a rock in pieces, like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Father, I pray for those of us who have stony hearts, who have heard the gospel and have heard the truth and have slowly gotten hardened. Will you please, by our Holy Spirit, allow our brother and our sister to repent before you because of the great love you have for them, because of the great price you paid for them, and because of the great future ahead of those who put their trust in you. I pray for those of us who have superficial hearts, who says no to trials, who runs away from committing to you, from surrendering to you. Father, only you can show them the only way is your way. As we've heard, your burden is light and your yoke is soft. Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Perfect love drives out fear. There's no fear needed to surrender. Pray for those who have hearts troubled by the distractions of the world. That ambition that is driving God to the periphery. Please, Lord, we pray for your compassion on them to let them see, let us see what a great salvation we have, which we dare not neglect. Thank you, Lord, for every heart here that is plowed every heart that is willing to receive with humility that implanted word that can save us. Will you create in us a pure heart, O Lord, and a steadfast spirit, that we may serve you with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind. Let our lives be to your glory, to your praise, to your honor. Let the world will see in us the people of destiny that we are, with our eyes and firmly fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, will you bless the precious people in this week? Thank you, Lord. You say, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to prosper and shows you the way you should go, leads you in the way you should go. Will you show us? Will you lead us?
in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen.